0: section 39 agreeable recollections from passages from the life of a philosopher this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org recording by dale growthman in the course of this volume i have mentioned under other heads many agreeable circumstances and many others remain unwritten I shall now confine myself to two. On one occasion, when I was engaged in my workshop in arranging some machinery for experiments on a difficult part of the analytic engine, an intimate friend called, and I went into the library to see him. An unopened letter lying on the table, he asked whether I usually treat my letters in that way. I looked at the letter, which appeared to be a printed one. When my friend had left me, I opened it, and found that it professed to be from the Institute of France, announcing my nomination as a corresponding member of that distinguished body. On looking at the conclusion for the well-known signature of my friend Arago, I found another name which I could not read. I therefore concluded that some wag had played me a trick. I, however, doubted whether the joke was intended to hit me, or the Academy of Sciences having left the paper on my table, I returned to my experiments. After dinner I took up the neglected document, and then for the first time perceived that it professed to be from the Academy of Moral Sciences. On re-examining the signature, I found it to be that of its eminent secretary, M. Meunier, and that it was an official announcement of my election as a corresponding member of that academy now the first impression on my mind was one of sincere regret i felt for a moment that the academy might have thus honored me not solely for my labors in their own but in other departments of science this painful feeling was however only momentary then it occurred to me that i had written the economy of manufactures which related to political economy one section and the ninth bridgewater treatise which related to philosophy, another section of the Academy of Moral Sciences. I now felt a real pleasure, which amply compensated me for the transitory regret. And, I am sure, no member of the many academies who have honored me by enrolling my name on their list will reproach me for stating the fact that no other nomination ever gave me greater satisfaction than the one to which I have now adverted. Some years ago my eldest son, Mr. B. Herschelbabbit, was employed by the government of South Australia to explore and survey part of the northwest portion of that colony. After an absence of about six months, a considerable portion of which time he spent in a desert, he reached a small station at the head of Spencer's Gulf, intending to wait there until the arrival of a steamer from Adelaide which was expected in about a week to carry back the wool of the distant and scattered colonists. It so happened that, a few days before, a Swedish merchant-vessel commanded by Captain Orling, a part-owner of the ship, had also arrived in search of a freight of wool. Captain Orling, on going ashore, heard of the arrival at the settlement of a stranger from the interior, and on inquiring found that he bore my name. He immediately went in search of my son, and having found him, said, I am not personally acquainted with your father, but I am well acquainted with his name. He has shown such kindness to a countryman of mine, that every Swede would be proud of an opportunity to acknowledge it. The steamer for which you are waiting cannot arrive until a week hence. There is no accommodation in this station, not even a public house. I entreat you to come on board my ship and be my guest until the steamer arrives and is ready to take you to adelaide it had been my good fortune to have an opportunity to render justice to the merits of mr schützer an inventor of the swedish difference engine my son who during the six previous months had slept under no canopy but that of heaven accepted this delightful invitation and enjoyed during the week the society of a very agreeable and highly informed gentleman i have received many marks of attention of various kinds from the natives of sweden paragraphs translated from swedish newspapers which were particularly interesting to me engravings and printed volumes i have been honored with these attentions by persons in various classes of society up to the highest and i am confident that the enlightened and accomplished prince to whom i allude will not think me ungrateful when i avow that the most gratifying of all of these attentions to a father whose name in his own country has been useless to himself and to his children was to hear from england's antipodes of the grateful swede welcoming and giving hospitality on the part of his countrymen to my son for the sake of the name he bore conclusion i will now conclude as i began by invoking the attention of my reader to a subject which if he is young may be of importance to him in afterlife he may reasonably ask what peculiarities of mind enabled me to accomplish what even the most instructed in their own sciences deemed impossible i have always carefully watched the exercise of my own facilities and i have also endeavored to collect from the light reflected by other minds some explanation of the question i think one of the most important guiding principles has been this that every moment of my waking hours has always been occupied by some train of inquiry. In far the largest number of instances the subject might be simple or even trivial, but still work of inquiry of some kind or other was always going on. The difficulty consists in adapting the work to the state of the body. The necessary training was difficult. Whenever at night I found myself sleepless and wished to sleep, I took a subject for examination that required little mental effort, and which also had little influence on worldly affairs by its success or failure. On the other hand, when I wanted to concentrate my whole mind upon an important subject, I studied during the day all the minor accessories, and after two o'clock in the morning I found that repose which the nuisances of the London streets only allowed from that hour until six in the morning. At first I had many sleepless nights, before I could thus train myself. I believe my early perception in the immense power of signs in aiding the reasoning facility contributed much to whatever success I may have had. Probably a still more important element was the intimate conviction I possessed that the highest object a reasonable being could pursue was to endeavor to discover those laws of mind by which man's intellect passes from the known to the discovery of the unknown this feeling was ever present to my mind and i endeavored to trace its principles in the minds of all around me as well as in the works of my predecessors the end of section 39